world-class guests, fascinating stories, inspiring messages. Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about whole life wellness. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Kelly Calabrese. Kelly is a wellness coach, speaker, best-selling author, and entrepreneur. With three science degrees and 27 certifications, she is an expert on all wellness topics, including fitness, weight loss, energy, youthful aging, and sleep. Kelly also speaks about forgiveness, purpose, joy, and love. As a certified divorce coach, she can help people get through the grief of separation, divorce, and post-divorce to live an amazing bonus life. You can reach Kelly at her website, kellycalabrese.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Kelly. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Oh, thank you, Linda. It is an honor, and I am happy to be here. I am so excited, and I am amazed by you. I mean, we just met, but I am amazed by you. You seem to be this driven overachiever. I mean, what is your story? What prompted you to not just get a science degree, but I need three science degrees, and I don't need a certification. I'd like, say, 27 of those, and uh, why? That is a great question. You know, sometimes people meet me and they're like, who couldn't you please? Like, what are you you trying to do? I am very driven. At the age of 13, I wrote in my journal, I will be an exercise therapist. Not even really sure what that meant, but I realized early on, I was so happy when I was running, dancing, jumping, swimming, cheerleading, softball. I mean, I'm like, what do people not get about this amazing endorphin rush? And I also had a really strong family history of heart disease, diabetes, obesity, stroke, cancer, alcoholism. And I looked at all that and went, ooh, I don't want anything to do with that. So I've always had this desire to help people walk in divine health. And I love what God loves and I hate what God hates. He hates sickness. He hates disease. And Most of it is lifestyle related. So I went on this journey and I am a knowledge person. I want to learn. I want to understand. I want to help people be better and I want to be better along the way. So I really was blessed to have a a pretty awesome career, you know, speaking on stages around the world and writing books and being on the, you know, media outlets. So it has been beautiful and fun. Oh, I am so glad. So you started at 13. So that's why you were able to accomplish so much. You figured out what you wanted at a very early age. That is amazing. That is quite astounding. So I love, you've already made some connections here about our health history and about lifestyle choices and about our physical health and our mental and our emotional health, how all these things are put together. And that is what you teach, is it not? Where it's not just the physical, let's, let's incorporate this whole, the whole self, Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So we can't separate the spirit, the mind, and the body. I first came at this at the physical, the body aspect, where I got certified when I was 17. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, the people who were hiring personal trainers were typically doctors, attorneys, you know, professionals who could afford it. And I started to notice a change in them, that if I could change their body, all of a sudden they'd say things to me like, Kelly, people at work are saying, what are you doing? You're happier. And my wife is like, yeah, you're, you're more patient and kinder. And, you know, they would say, even my kids like me better. So I pretty quickly started to make the mental health connection to when we change their physical body. And I did a deep dive on that. How do we change our habits? How do we renew our, renew our minds? And then when you get to the quantum physics level of the brain and the mind, eventually you get to the spirit realm. And 
at that point, I realized, wow, I've been a but God girl my whole life. And there have been miraculous things that have happened in my life that there is just no denying. So when you come at it from the perspective of this is a spirit, mind, body approach, you have so much greater momentum and benefits and things are actually a little bit there is it's more effortless there's more flow when you partner with god for your health and your well-being and your thoughts it doesn't mean it's perfect or easy or that there's not a struggle but the fruit is so much greater that is beautiful so how do we partner with god in this mind body spirit relationship do you have some suggestions for inviting him into the mix I do. Yes. I mean, I literally make him my partner in all things. So I have a place where I meet with him every day before I even start my day. And it might just be lying in bed. And then sometimes it's outside. But where I start my day, just imagining myself in heaven. And what would that be like where I get to ask our father questions and and listen for answers and submit myself to here I am. Here's my car keys. Here's my cell phone. Uh, here's my computer, my bot. You know, what do you want me to do with my day? Your ways, your plans are higher than mine. And if I don't get any impressions or feel led a certain way, then I'll go about the day that I had planned. But I want God's best. I mean, he says it's his plans, his provision. So I really like to start my day in submission and there. And so worshiping and bringing in good information to start my day um, I would say for people that your identity is really important. So if your identity is, I'm someone who just goes through the drive-through, I'm someone who, you know, doesn't exercise or I don't like the gym or, you know, a lot of it is renewing your mind. So our beliefs become our thoughts, our thoughts become our actions, our actions become our habits, our habits become our character and our character becomes our identity. So if your identity is in of things of the world, all of that can get taken away in a moment. But when you say my body, his temple, this is the one body that I get that I'm responsible for that I get to take care of. This is one of very few things that I actually can control. Like there's a lot I can control, but my body is one thing that I can. No one is forcing food and alcohol into my mouth. I am the only one. Who is doing that? So if it's an area of struggle for people, partner with God and say, Lord, I've, I've tried diets. <laughs> you know, they have not worked for me. I've tried cleansing. I've tried fasting, you know, whatever it is, um, which fasting obviously is biblical and something that we love for people to do. But really partner with God and say, search my heart, reveal to me, you know, where is it that I am missing it? I'm, I'm designed to be addicted and I'm designed to be addicted to you, to God. So anything that I try to do is going to fall short of that. So if I try and, uh, you know, fill whatever pain or fear or emotion that's going on in my life with, you know, cake or french fries or beer, None of that is, I'm never going to be able to feed myself enough to fill that need that I have to be unconditionally loved by God. So really, God, just search me, show me, partner with me, help me. Uh, I'm, I'm submitting that the flesh is weak. I want chocolate, you know. And so that's just, a, it's a good place to start. And there's lots of practical things that people can do, but it really helps when you partner with God. And, you know, we've seen miraculous things like people will get free from, you know, a meth addiction in a moment and people wow. get free from alcohol or drugs in a moment. 
But other people, it takes a long time of starting and quitting and restarting and stopping. And it's a struggle and it's hard and it's painful. So it can happen in different ways. But the point is to keep moving towards truth and light and health and betterment. Wow, that was incredible. And as you're discussing and describing all of these things, and you talk about that addiction to God and that need that we have, and as we try to become fulfilled and satisfied by, uh, if we don't add that spiritual element to things, we really won't be as satisfied and won't feel fulfilled. And so that is a very important distinction. Thank you so much for bringing that up. What a beautiful way to put things together. Now, you're also an expert on healthy aging because you're an expert on everything. So can you give us some tips on on healthy aging, on how to still look good as the the calendar years continue to, to turn? Yes, I would love that. So I always like to go back to, you know, God's original design for things, you know, back to the Garden of Eden where, you know, everything, the fruits and the vegetables and the eggs, you know, everything was just right there. So if I had to, in a very short amount of time, give people a snapshot of nutrition, a Mediterranean-style diet is considered one of the best longevity diets. So it is those, you know, berries and healthy fats like nuts and avocado and coconut oil, lots of um, vegetables, just healthy vegetables, not a lot of grain, definitely no, you know, processed or simple grain. And then some lean proteins like your salmon and your your lean meats would be awesome nutrition-wise. I do like intermittent fasting where we have a shorter feeding window and a longer fasting window. In that fasting time, so much happens. It keeps your hormones right. It helps to get rid of dead cells. It's called autophagy. Um, It lowers the stress in your body. It improves digestion. It improves metabolism. So shortening over time, don't do it radically, but start eating 30 minutes later, 30 minutes later, 30 minutes later, and you'll notice your hunger will change and starting off lighter. So for example, the first thing I have is um, warm water with lemon. Then the next thing I might have is uh, cucumber water or aloe water or coconut water. And then I might have um, a green drink and then you know work my way up to when I finally feel hungry, having a Mediterranean style meal and then sort of work my way down the uh, the rest of the day. So it might be a vegan protein shake or uh, eating an avocado, something like that. So lighter, you want to put the most nutritious things past your lips. Water primarily should be our only beverage. When we look at the beverage aisle in the stores today and how people are loading up on caffeinated beverages and you know, just things that have no fiber, no good nutrition, or really artificial, have all those sweeteners in them. If, if they can shift to just water, that's what our body's primarily made of. So get enough in every day. Sleep. We are designed to go to bed when it gets dark and wake up when it gets light. Of course, you know, in today's world, everything is kind of flipped around. We're under fluorescent lights all the time. We've got technology in our face all the time. But ideally, sleeping, really leaving that state of awakeness for seven hours is ideal. Some people need a little more. Some people need a little less. And it depends on the season of your life. It depends on your your exercise, your activity level, your stress level. You may need more or less. But sleep is so important for longevity. That's where the detoxification from your day really happens. So I know sleep is a major issue. For a lot of people, especially as they get older, I could spend hours talking about sleep, but do what you can to have really good sleep hygiene. 
Um, our bodies are designed to move every day. In fact, multiple times a day. So be intentional about doing something ideally in the morning and then something later in the day, even if it's a walk, even if it's some stretching, even if it's just getting out in nature, getting by water, take off your shoes, walk in the grass. Um, it doesn't have to be some formal, you know, heavy lifting of weights and grunting in the gym. Weightlifting is awesome and our bodies, you know, need that kind of resistance to build strong muscles and bones. But do something that's fueling your soul and your body and your mind together. Um, so those are just, you know, some of the hacks, just looking at the basics of how we sleep, how we move, how we eat, and how we drink. Wow. Okay. I love it. Is it okay if we talk a little bit more about sleep? Because I know that yes. that's a big issue for so many people. And you mentioned sleep hygiene. And first is that, I guess, the desire to have that seven or, or more hours of uninterrupted sleep. So can you give us some, some tips on some good sleep hygiene to be able to obtain that desired sleep? Yeah, so I suggest that people start to leave their awakened, alert, you know, daytime state about three hours before bed. So in those three hours, finish your last meal, power down your technology, start to lower the stress. That's a good time to do some reading about three hours before bed. Once you get into the two hours before bed, um, you might want to start thinking about taking a, a bath or a shower or just going for an easy walk. Um, you know, don't get on the phone with anyone who's going to upset you, but maybe feed yourself with something good, maybe some worship music. Um, there is different music that is good for sleep. Um, there, there's like a, a beat that you can find on YouTube that's really just good for sleep. Once really? you get within an hour of sleep time, you can start to use lavender oils, lavender candles, cool down your room, make sure you have good bedding, make sure your room is dark. The research shows even any bit of light coming into your room can interrupt your sleep. So a black, cool room with good bedding that's nice and cool really sets you up for success. Do not have any technology on in your bedroom. Do not fall asleep to the TV. Do not have your phone under your bed. All of that has waves, um, it has energy, microwaves and waves that are coming at you and that's a stressor. So move those out. I promise you it is rare an emergency happens and if something happens, someone will knock on your door. I've got kids in college. If anyone should be you know, having their phone on their bed, it would be me, but I don't. I keep it across the house. So you need to just have that boundary to put the technology aside. Um, if you have a partner, sex is awesome before bed. That will definitely help you fall asleep. Even comfortable, um, like no pajamas, naked. We're designed to sleep naked. There's so many health benefits to that. You don't want to get tangled up in, you know, pajamas either. So um, if you are wearing pajamas, something that's not going to, you know, get you tangled up. Sleeping on your side is actually really good for health with a pillow between your knees and your ankles would be awesome. And then a pillow under your head to support your neck is great. If you sleep on your back, a uh, pillow under your knees to keep your uh, lower legs elevated and your lower back supported would be awesome. The least desirable would be a face down sleeping position. Wow. Okay. So... The, the thing that blows my mind is the three hour prior to bed to, to, to begin this process that do, do people actually do that? I mean, I've heard lots and lots of studies saying, please, you know, lower the lights at least 30 minutes before bed. And especially, 
our technology, our phones, that blue light that, that just signals to our brain and says, hey, it's time to be awake. So turn all of those things off and to keep the technology out of the room and all of those kinds of things. But it's the three hours prior that my brain is, ha I'm having a hard time wrapping around that. Um, so w w do you follow that routine? I mean, I do for the most part. I mean, I, you mentioned the, you know, the eyes, I do use a blue blocker glasses so that, you know, that my eyes are not strained. Cause it, when you get in bed and you're like, your eyes hurt because you've been looking at a computer screen for 14 hours a day, you know, I don't think anyone's going to finish their life and look at the last three hours that they spent before bed and wish they did more of it. Cause it's typically TV and scrolling time. I mean, what are you doing in those last three hours? And it's not that you can't do other things. You can, but use it for things that set your next day up for success. Use it for things that set your sleeping up for success. So it doesn't mean stop everything and you lose three hours of time. It's a time of nourishment. So you can drink some decaf chamomile sleepy time tea. Um, you can use some melatonin spray. You can read. You can journal. There's still things you can do as long as they're not stimulating. I usually will take an hour and make a phone call. And I might call two or three people on that hour or talk to one person the whole hour. But I choose someone who gives me life who pours into me and I pour into them and they're a wise, wise person. So the connection and community is important. But for example, if, if you fight with your mom and she stresses you out, well, don't call her before bed, you know, call her earlier in the day when you have time to really decompress and work that out. But I, I talk to my mom at about the same time every night we're in different time zones. Um, and so that, that's, you know, that's a calming thing in my day that I checked on her. She checked with me. We both have peace that we're okay. We had a good day. And so you'll figure out what it is that works for you, but you're not losing that time. You're gaining so much in that time. Instead of mindlessly doing things, you're intentional. Okay. All right. So being intentional with that time and having it directed toward uh, that calming, soothing, fulfilling, even as you're talking about your relationships and your communications, that's, that's fascinating. So would you recommend to exercise then in the morning when you first get up? Is that your routine or when do you do that? Well, morning exercises are shown to have the highest compliance rates. So as the day goes on, excuses tend to arise and energy tends to go down. So the best time of day to exercise physiologically is about three o'clock, but really it's the time that you will do it. And the best time that research shows is morning. So even if it means getting up 30 minutes earlier, getting something in, it sets the tone for your day. You will see that your brain is sharper, your energy is higher you've already built the momentum to start accomplishing things in your day. And then you just keep going. You won't find that lull in the day, needing caffeine or things to boost your energy when you start your day with exercise. Fantastic. And when you were training and you were, you were as this coach, how much time is, is required? I mean, is it, is 30 minutes sufficient or, or less or more or, that's a great question. I mean, we are designed to move every day. So even if people did 20 minutes a day, that would be great to get that metabolic boost going. Um, but if you have, you know, 15 minutes is better than none. 20 minutes is better than 15. 30 obviously is better up to about an hour. Once you go beyond an hour, really, you are training for something or competing for something. But for health, fitness, well-being, youthful aging, an hour is, you know, a good amount of time using a combination of strength training, cardio conditioning, flexibility, endurance, muscle endurance, 
So it doesn't have to be, you need to run for an hour necessarily. But the prescription is the higher the intensity, the, um, the better the benefits. But obviously, if you have orthopedic issues or you're compromised with your heart and lungs, you need to work up to it more slowly. And you always want to be safe. You want to have the um, highest benefit with the least amount of risk. So start somewhere. For heart health, 20 minutes of walking three days a week is shown to have great improvements in heart health. So start somewhere. Oh, I appreciate that. I feel like when we have these goals and, you know, we should do this and we should do that and we should do the other, and sometimes it feels overwhelming. And I think if we can come with the idea of let's do something, then that makes it not feel overwhelming so that I'm willing to take that first step because we can't do anything until we take the first step. And sometimes there's a mental block before you get to that first step. So just doing something is super good for your body. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Now I have another question. Most of your research, most of your studies all focus in a, a similar area, but then there's one topic that seems like it's not related to the other one. And that is that you are also a divorce coach. So what is the story behind, behind that? How did, how, did, how did you branch out to that direction? Yes. Well, from the pain comes purpose. So after 24 years of marriage, my husband came home and he said, my commitment to our marriage is zero. And he left. And that floored me. I really was blindsided by this, as were my children who were going into their junior and senior year of high school. And it just brought me to my knees and emptied me out. And I went on a three-year sabbatical where I had to figure out why did this tornado come in, blow up my life, scatter everything about, and leave this gaping hole that's filled with pain in my heart? This has to stop. I need to figure this out, be well, and never repeat this again. And so on that three-year journey, I went to divorce recovery. I went to the healing place. I went for counseling, the retreats, you know, listened to the TED Talks and the sermons. And I did all the things to try and get well while I was trying to manage my kids' hearts and a bunch of difficult, very unreasonable events that happened during divorce. It is called a life event for a reason. So one of my goals was to get two kids into college, and I successfully did that about a year and a half ago, and I came home, and I was like, okay, Lord, I, I checked that box. They're at the schools they want. They're both athletes. They've got cars and computers and phones and tuition's paid and so on. And so I was asking, you know, what is next for me? And in my process of healing, I did get certified as a divorce coach through the American Association of Christian Counselors thinking it was just for me. I did it from my knowledge because I, I want to understand. And I really felt like I had this impression that I was supposed to help women to walk them through this stage and season of deep grief, of anger, of bitterness, of depression, of shock, of denial, and get them to a place where they can be readjusted get back to healthy, maybe even better than they've ever been before, and then build this whole bonus life that's even better than they could ask, think, or imagine today. So I sat down and I thought about the things that really moved the needle for me over those three years and peeling back the layers and really healing my heart and my mind. And I put it all together in a program and I launched it over a year ago now. It's called Intentionally Fabulous Single Redefined. And I help them get through, you know, just really get empowered again, build that boldness up again to overcome 
the stress, the rejection, and the fear that comes from divorce so that they can get from stuck and even stopped to a healthy and fabulous place. And can people access that through your website? Is that where Absolutely. they find it? Absolutely, yeah. So okay. um, the website is uh, intentionallyfabulous.com or they can go to Kelly with an I, C-A-L-A-B-R-E-S-E.com and they can find it there. It's an eight-week program and I interviewed 21 of the experts that helped me on my journey. So there's interviews there with my divorce coach, my conflict negotiation coach, my grief counselor, my breath therapist. It took a team of people to really resurrect me from from that dark bottom place. I am so glad that you were able to bounce back. I'm sorry that you had to endure that. You know, as you've been talking about just these self-empowerment tools, these wonderful things that we can do to help strengthen and build ourselves, but we are not immune from the effects of other people's actions and other people's decisions. And things can happen in our lives that we did not ask for, that we did not want. And then in addition to, to working on ourselves, we also have to be resilient to be able to bounce back when things don't turn out the way that we want and that we know that things can be okay even when we don't know what okay looks like. Okay can look like um, a marriage continuing. Okay can look like being single and having that bonus life. And I love the way you call it a bonus life where it's something that is beautiful and exciting, like a a bonus round that this is okay and this is beautiful. So thank you for... um, taking your pain and creating purpose out of it so that you can pay it forward. That is, that's huge. Well, thank you. Yeah. I feel like we're not really trained. We can get knocked down one time, two times, two times. But when you are really hit by so many things, you're knocked down 10 times in a row and some of them had nothing to do with you. I mean, you did your part, you were healthy. Um, You do need to own your part in something like a divorce. It's never a hundred percent them and 0% you but we don't have the training to be resilient to get back up. And this generation coming up, like my kids in college, really makes me nervous. When I see the suicide rates, when I see how quick kids are to to just shut down and malfunction and dysfunction and, and not function because something a little bit hard happened to them and it gets catastrophized, you know, into something and then you know, I just, I want a good outcome for everyone, you know, whether it's a mom going through divorce, which is the highest poverty rate, or these young kids that are coming up to lead our generation, they need the courage building, they need the confidence building, they need the resilience building, they have to know um, so many important things, like how do you overcome fears, because fear and struggle is real, it happens, but you know, how can you really build that courage to go from a place of victim to a place of love? Exactly. I am in complete agreement. So do you have some tips for women, for the rising generation, that idea of um, that it's going to be okay, that that resilience of um, some tips, empowerment tips, I guess. Yeah. Well, you want to trade your fear for faith. I mean, it says over 360 times in the Bible, do not fear, fear not, fear not. So we start believing things that aren't true. So One of my favorite scriptures that I had to stand on was trust God and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And he tells us, be anxious for nothing and 
Now, I know all these things are easy to say, but it says every day put on your armor, every day submit to him, every day his mercies are new. So I, my faith was really important in building that back. But you do, you do need to be vulnerable. You have to be real. If you're, you know, staying in this place of victimhood where you're not in the place of forgiveness and you're just staying in this dark place of anger or bitterness, you need to want to get well first. So it's like the 12-step program. I have a problem. You're saying, okay, this I can't stay here anymore. This is not living. This is not fun. This is too painful. So you have to get to the point where you're ready to actually do something. And then you have to admit what it is. Um, for me, in, in my marriage, I now know that I was a perfectionist, that I really tried to control things that I shouldn't have done in the marriage. And what happens is sometimes you just get in an opposite ditch of someone. So because my former husband was pretty irresponsible and foolish, I became hyper-responsible and controlling. And it was just this ugly cycle of me, you know, cutting his legs out from under him because I didn't think he could be responsible. And anyway just seeing what that is. And, and you can ask wise people who know you. You can go to a counselor who will do an assessment on you and be able to say, you know, hey, you're, you know, whatever it is that you're you're doing. And, and when you're faced with that and you point it out, now you have something that you can work on. Um, so facing those fears, do what you can to reduce the stress in your life because when you're coming from a place of stress and chaos and emotions and everything is all heightened, it's difficult to make any progress in a positive direction. So what can you do to calm down? Do you need to breathe? Do you need to get in nature? Do you need to meditate? Do you need to journal? Do you need to read Psalms? You know, whatever it is, get the stress level down. Cut things out of your life that are stressing you out. Cut people out of your life that stress you out. And I know that requires change. But where you are now is a result of every single thing that you have done in your life. Every thought, every decision has gotten you here. So if here is not a good place, you need to do something differently and start by demonstrating small things. It doesn't need to be radical, but take steps in the right direction and the small steps will then build on bigger steps to build your resistance, your resiliency. And um, you'll learn. You'll learn as you go. And I just invite people to accept the challenge to be better, you know, to build your confidence, even changing your body posture, you know, standing up tall, taking a deep breath in, pulling your shoulders back. Even your physiology will give a different energy, even if you don't feel like it. If you do that, it'll change. Um, another superpower is gratitude. Even if you feel like, okay, this isn't fair. This isn't where I thought I'd be. There's still something to be grateful for. You have air in your lungs. If you're listening to this, you have some kind of technology. Um, did you sleep in a bed last night? So start somewhere. And then community is so important. Surround yourself by people who are ahead of you in where you want to be. So if they're where you want to be professionally, relationally, physically, personally, figure it out financially and model what they do. Ask someone if they're willing to mentor you. My goodness, we have access to everything at our fingertips. So you need to do your part and God will do his. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Everything that you've shared today is so important for every single one of us. Whatever step we are, you've given us an assignment, at least an opportunity to, to become a little bit better in whatever situation we're in. So thank you for talking with me today. Thank you for your wisdom that you've shared. Oh, I'm so happy to do it. Thanks for inviting me, Linda. It has been a pleasure.
In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Harry J. Johnson. He said, The human body has been designed to resist an infinite number of changes and attacks brought about by its environment. The secret of good health lies in successful adjustment to changing stresses on the body. Today, I invite you to be healthy and happy by being resilient and adapting to the changes in your life. See you next time on Linda's Corner.